Vibrant Church is all about passionate people who build authentic relationships to reach limitless potential and serves Orange County, California. For more information, visit us online at theocmovement.com. We hope you enjoy this message from the Movement. Hey, we're so glad you're with us for week three and the final, final part of our series called My Church. This series is about, uh, really it's about you. It's about what God wants to do in you and through you. So we believe at the Movement Church that your purpose and destiny and my purpose and destiny is woven together intricately to form a great purpose, to advance the purposes and the kingdom of God. And so really, we're talking about the, the essentials and the importance of my church we talked about in the week one about how so many times we would say, that's my Starbucks, or that's my jam, or that's my team. But really, you don't have any stock. You don't have any vested in. It's not even yours at all. If that Starbucks shuts down, you're going to go to another Starbucks, right? But one thing that's different is something like your family, right? That's your family. I talked about how my daughter, I get so proud of my daughter. It doesn't matter what she does. I just love my, both of them. Great kids. I love them with all my heart. They're my kids. Why? And I have a vested interest in them because they are mine and I am their dad, right? And so we have our lives woven together and we believe at the movement church that your purpose and destiny and mine and everyone seated around you is woven together and God wants to do something great through his church, which is more than just a church that you attend, it can really become my church. My church. We've been talking through the culture points, the the 10 culture points that we live by at the Movement Church, all centered around the vision of the Movement Church, which is this, that we exist to see and inspire the one far from God to find life in Christ and life in the church. As you walk down the hallway today on your right-hand side, coming to the sanctuary, you, which is also known as a theater with Shamu on the wall, as you're walking in here, you saw on your right, those are the culture points. And we've been talking through those because those are the why behind our what. The why behind, why do we do what it is that we do? And so if you're here today for the very first time, well, congratulations, you get to hear a little bit of the the nuts and bolts as to who we are. And if you've been here for weeks or months and you call this place home, then man, congratulations, you get to kind of hear what it is that we do and why we exist to do that. I don't know about you, but growing up, I'm one of seven kids, which is a lot of stinking kids. My mom and dad like to make babies and have babies. They did a great job of both of it. And uh, one of seven kids, there's a 22-year gap between the oldest and the youngest child. And there was a season of our life. My dad was in his mid to late 40s. He had been a pastor on staff at at a great church, and he resigned and, and then was working some jobs. But they just didn't seem to make ends meet. How many of you have ever been at a place like that? Can you raise your hand? Okay. The rest of you are judging me. That's all right, though. Got to this place where he couldn't seem to make ends meet. And so we went through a season where we were literally financially in serious, serious lack. We got evicted from one of our homes. It was an exciting time for our family. I'll never forget one of the defining moments of my life is my entire family. I'm a child, about, I think, 10 or 11 years old. And all the belongings we could fit were in the, this nasty Oldsmobile Delta 88, the long kind with the white soft top. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you have no clue what I'm talking about. We were sitting in the the parking lot of a shopping center and we didn't know where we were going to stay that night. That's a defining moment. A defining moment. I remember looking out the window thinking I could get really mad at God right now 
and allow this situation to affect me or I could affect my situation and make some choices to move forward. I'll never forget, we ended up spending two months at a La Quinta. You shouldn't really spend a night in a La Quinta, let alone two months. We shouldn't have a place. And a church said, hey, we'll, we'll put you up in a hotel. Our food, our food was a food bank from the church. So we had Captain Crunch cereal for breakfast, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for lunch, and a restaurant called Fud Ruckers. Y'all ever heard of Fud Ruckers? I'd say that carefully. Fud Ruckers allowed kids to eat free if you had paid for one adult meal. They apparently didn't meet my family. Come traipsing in there, and we buy one hamburger, and the rest of the kids, they just keep walking in. It's another burger, and another burger, and another burger. And I say all that to say this, it was an amazing season in my life because my mom and dad were never lazy. They worked their tail end off to get us out of that slump. But one of the things that I valued about them in that moment is they found a way to turn a La Quinta hotel into a home. They worked diligently to make sure there was peace there. They set it up like it was our home. We had dinner like every other dinner. We would sit around that tiny little table in the room and we'd crowd around and we would eat food together as a family. Because a house isn't a home unless you make it that way. And hey, look at me for a minute. A church is not just a building. It's so much more than a building. We happen to meet in the kaleidoscope in Mission Viejo. But look at me in the eyes. You are the church. It's so much more. than I've been to so many church buildings all around the world. It doesn't matter what the exterior looks like or the interior. You and I are the church. We are the church. And that's why it's essential for you and I to find a church that we call home. You see, Jesus came to do two things, to seek and to save the lost and to establish his church. Do you know why? Because it's the church that brings hope and life and joy and peace to the world. And he chooses to use people like you and like me and your jacked up neighbor too. We find this and we read this in the scripture in Matthew chapter 16. It says this, and I tell you, you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This came after Peter made a declaration of faith. Jesus wasn't saying I'm going to establish the church on a person. I don't care what your theology is. He was establishing the church on the declaration of faith that Jesus is the Christ. So what does that say? Jesus established the church, but he chooses to work through you and through me. So at the Movement Church, we've made a decision that we will invest our lives to build the local church. The church is a big deal to God, and it's a big deal to us. That's why we bring up generations on this stage, and we say, hey, we're committed to being a part of your life. That's why we exist as a church. We're committed to investing and building the local church. And listen, it takes you and me because it's not a building and it's so much more than a feeling too i know what you're thinking more than a feeling falsetto jesus always shows up more than a feeling i don't even know that's the way it works but i'm just gonna keep singing because it's thinking journey you're welcome yes if you don't like journey we're praying for you right now it's more than a feeling i hear all the time you know the beach is my church shut up and stop smoking weed stop it the ocean, when I get in the water, it's my church. No, listen, it's great. It's a good, I get it. There's nothing like being in the water, especially on a board. It's just like this great, 
you just breathe it in. Unless you're at Doheny after the rain, that's a bad thing. But everywhere else, it's an amazing place. But that's not a church. You and I, we make up the church. God chooses. Jesus wants to work in and through you and me because we are the story of hope. You and I, how else would the message get preached? It wouldn't, except for that you and I choose to tell the story of what God is doing in our life on a regular basis. So we will invest our lives to build the church because it's a big deal to God. Listen, I love the story about Peter because that guy made so many mistakes. And when Jesus said, hey, I'm going to use you to build the church, he's saying that there's no such thing as a lost cause. There's no such thing as a lost cause. There's no such thing as a lost cause. I don't know about you, but I've been in a place where I felt like I was a lost cause. And somebody came in and spoke hope into my life. So some of you in this room need to know you're not a lost cause. Some of you came in with your head hung low thinking, man, I don't know if I'm good enough to go to church today. And we just tell you, you're not, and neither am I. It's okay, we're all just a little bit jacked up. But that's all right. We're just working on getting better. And guess what? If you need to hear that, so does your friend. Your neighbor, your coworker, the people that you meet at Starbucks, they need to know this. That's what church is about. It's about so much more than attendance. It's about belonging. But guys, my mom and dad didn't accidentally make the La Quinta feel like a home. They were intentional about it. You don't just happen upon a place where people belong. You have to build it. So how do you do that? If you call the movement church to home, I want to challenge you right now. Jump in and jump on the dream team. Be a part of what God is doing here to create a place where everyone can belong. Can I make some people angry for a moment? If you're at the movement church and you call this place home, but you're not on the dream team, thank you for being our guest. But you're not part of our family yet. (gasps) I'm so offended right now. I don't know why you sound like the gingerbread man from Shrek. Not my gum drop buttons. (laughs) do you know the muffin man stop it my daughter she's 11 years old and she has a job three of them at the house she has to empty the dishwasher and put the dishes that are in the sink in the dishwasher why because she's not our roommate she's in our family and she's invested into what god is doing in our home right why i help pay for her home I feed her. Why? She's part of my family, right? She's not a roommate. She's part of our family. So look at me. I love you. I love everybody. I love everybody here. But look, jump on the dream team. Not because we need you, because you need it. Because God's purpose for your life is tied to actually doing something with your life. So at the Movement Church, we will invest our lives. We will invest our lives to build the church. Why? It's a big deal to God. Now listen, that doesn't mean that you have to uh, get up every Sunday at 5 o'clock and set up and tear down. That, That may not be what God's got for you. But can I tell you, find out what it is and jump on the dream team. I just heard a story. My wife connected with an amazing lady at our church. Her name is Jody. And they started connecting about what, what God's doing in her life. And she said, hey, I just want to be a part of what's going on. I want to be a part of the dream team. And I've looked at the things that are going on. And there's one thing I feel like I can bring to the table. I've worked a lot with kids who have special needs. And notice we don't have a program for that yet. And there's a lot of families who need a church where special needs kids can be addressed. So guess what she's doing? She's going to jump in and get involved with the kids team and build a program so that if you come here and your son or daughter has special needs, we've got a place for you to belong. 
That takes intentionality. Yeah, give a, that's a hand clap right there. I love it. So what is it that God's doing in you? Tie that and weave that to God's purpose at the local church. Listen, I'm not saying to suck the energy out of your life. Do life. Live life. Have fun. But weave your purpose and Christ's plan for your life into what he's doing through the church. And watch what will take place in your life. Are y'all tracking with me? The church is not a building. It's people. And if we're going to do that, we, if we're going to be a church that is a place where people can belong, then we want to reach as many people as we possibly can with the hope of who Jesus is, but not at the expense of the one. Not ever at the expense of the one. Our objective and our goal is not to go after the masses. Our objective and our goal is to go after the one. So we will focus on the individual. Earning the right to reach the masses. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He said, go to all of the world. Don't let any nook and cranny, don't let anything be left alone. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. He said, reach the masses. But Jesus is also the same person who told a parable of a shepherd who had 99 sheep and he lost one. And he left the 99 sheep in a pen and he went after the one. Why? Because the individual matters. Every plan, every strategy, every service, everything that we do at this church is done so with the individual in mind. Because it matters to Jesus. He never did anything at the expense of the individual. We see story after story after story of him stopping to talk to the one. Everywhere that Jesus went, a crowd would follow and literally would surround him to the point that it would be difficult to move. And there's a day where Jesus was walking through a town and people were all around him, talking to him, listening to him. In fact, the Bible tells stories of people just touching the hem of his garment and they were being healed. So these crazy things were taking place. And in one time when Jesus is walking through a city and surrounded by the masses of people, he looks up into a tree and he sees a short little man named Zacchaeus. And he stops the crowd and he turns to this man. He says, come down from the tree. I'm going to your house to eat dinner. Some of you are singing the song right now. Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. If you have another song, you're, you're welcome. <laughs> he stopped everything and he went to Zacchaeus' home. And because he did that, he got persecuted because of it. But he was never interested only in the masses. He was always interested in the individual. But that didn't mean he forsake the masses. He would earn the right to speak into the masses by taking care of the one. There's another story of Jesus going to a well near Samaria. And a woman was sitting there in midday and she was the outcast of the city. That's why she was getting water at midday. She was a Samaritan and Jesus was a Jew and they didn't talk to each other. In fact, if a Jew spoke to a Samaritan, they had to get cleansed ceremoniously before they could even go to the temple. And Jesus sees this woman and he goes and he sits down and he begins to talk to her. She says, why are you even talking to me right now? He said, because man, I I just want to give you something that you don't have. Life. And life more abundantly. Jesus began to unpack her story And it changed something radically inside of her. And she attached and connected with the voice of hope and a future and truth and love. And guess what she did? She ran back to the village and she grabbed the masses and she brought them out to meet Jesus. We're committed to the individual. 
We want to reach the one because we believe if we do that, we'll earn the right to reach the masses. Why? Because Jesus never overlooked the individual at the expense of the masses. So what does that look like? What's it practical for your life and for mine? Well, listen, here, it's just simple. Don't, don't think that because you're, you, you attend church that that's just what God wants for you to do. No, no, he actually has put you into spheres of influence to make a difference in the world that you live in. So just pick one person that you know that needs to know the hope of Jesus. It can be at your neighborhood. It could be a family member. It could be at your Starbucks. It could be at your work. It doesn't matter. It could be at the pickup and the drop-off line where you go to school. It doesn't matter what it is. Pick one person. And choose to invest in their life. And just say, I'm going to pray for them on a daily basis. I've got one person that I've been praying for for a year and a half. Their name is written on a card on my mirror. And I pray for them every day because I stand in front of my mirror every day. I would say, God, would you do something radical in his life? Would you show up in a way that only you can? Because he needs to know who you are and the hope that you have for him. His life went through a crazy season and literally almost lost his marriage. I didn't know it. But he called me and said, hey, can we go grab lunch? I said, totally. We talked. I was able to encourage him. Why? Because I've been praying for him for a year and a half. Saying, God, do something in his life. Why? Because the individual matters to God, and it should matter to you and me. Every plan, every strategy that we have as a church is centered around the individual, but you and I should be doing the same thing in our life. Who's that one person that you can influence? You may not have all the words to say, and that's okay. Just tell your story. What's my story? Well, just, man, I was a little jacked up like this before Jesus, and I found him, and it gave me hope, and now I'm doing this with my life. That's it. They can't argue with your experience and your story. Be intentional with it. Who's the one? Who's the one in your life? Who's the one that literally their purpose and their destiny and their future is dependent upon you doing something about it? Everything that we do is for the individual. Which begs the question, who is the one? What, what, what's our demographic? What are we aiming at here? Well, listen, there's no faith background or prerequisite or ethnic background or age. It doesn't matter. We want to reach every single person that we can. Anyone who says, yeah, I'm looking for a place to belong. That's who we want to be. And that requires us having an attitude of honor. And so here at the Movement Church, we're going to build a generational church because it matters to Jesus and we will be advocates of honor. We're going to be a multi-generational church from the oldest to the youngest. I love this quote that I read uh, online. It says this, we need to remember across generations that there is as much to learn as there is to teach. Listen, we want to see 60-year-olds and 16-year-olds greeting at the front door at the same time. We want to see the gap of generations just completely shut down. And where we say, it doesn't matter how old or where you're from, man. Let's serve God together. Let's let God do something in our life. And let's learn from each other. I think, hey, can I talk to the older, wiser generation for a moment? Listen, I want to challenge you. This next generation coming up, millennials, they're challenging. I'm like in the middle of between the, the older generation and the millennials. And sometimes I don't feel like I have a home because I've got an old soul. But then I like to wear skinny jeans sometimes. So stop judging me. I shouldn't because I can't fit in them. But stop judging me. It makes me feel young. I've got a receding hairline and hair going on my back. It's just what happens when you get older. But I can teach you how to Dougie if you need me to. You don't want to watch it, but it's true. Hey, can I talk to the older generation for a moment? Can I just challenge you with one thing? Man, 
would you, would you just make a commitment to listening to the younger generation? If you'll just do that, if you'll just make a commitment to listen, I promise they'll want to hear what you have to say. I heard a statement one time, and it, it's kind of confusing, but it makes sense in the end, that the youngest person in a room will listen to the oldest person in the room who will listen to them. I don't care how old you are in this room, you are older than someone. Would you just make a commitment to be a great listener? And young people, just shut your mouth a little bit. Lock it up. Just, just shut your mouth. Shut your, shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. It'd be good. Like literally. We, <laughs> literally though. Like it'd be good just to be quiet. Uh, we know you're, you're the smartest person in the world, but just be quiet for a minute. Is everybody feel uncomfortable yet? <laughs> hey, everybody, everybody in here is younger than somebody. And if not, then you can talk all you want. Because we're praying for you on your last leg of life. But, man, everybody's angry at me today. If you're visiting, you don't ever have to come back. Hey, young generation, look at me for a minute. But seriously, let's make a commitment to just being quiet and listening more than we talk. Let's just make a commitment to that. Can you imagine what would happen if had a church generations came together to listen to each other? You'd walk in and you wouldn't feel a generational gap. It wouldn't matter how old you are or what your faith background is. You say, man, a, I fit here. And, and older generation, man, the younger, they, they'll listen. They, they, they're hungry for it. And younger generation, I'm telling you, if we'll just listen, there's wisdom and experience that it doesn't matter. Hey, they graduated without Google. They can, they, they're pretty good. They're pretty awesome. So let's just listen. Let's be a generation. That's called honor. It's recognizing the value that someone has, not because of an accomplishment or an accolade, but because they are a son or daughter of the Most High King. That's honor. Let's be advocates of that. And I believe that all of us in the process will learn. This sounds kind of like a utopian dream, like a perfect world. No, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. There's, there's no such thing. We're not trying to do a sales pitch for something that's perfect and ut- utopian. We're just talking about, hey, let's just work intentionally to build a community where everyone can belong. Where we can reach the individual and the masses all at the same time. Life is going to be challenging. There are challenging seasons in the past. Some of you are walking through challenging seasons right now. And if you're not, get ready because challenging seasons are going to come. That's just life. Jesus said that. Tribulation and trials and problems you'll have with you always. But what? Take heart. For I've overcome the world. It's one of my favorite verses. So listen. If if that's the case, in order for us to build a community, to reach the individual, to build God's church, then we have to make a commitment. That no matter what comes, no matter hell or high water, we will choose our way forward. We will choose our way forward. Instead of seeing obstacles, we're going to be solutions driven and we're always going to bring our A game, our very best. We're always going to bring our A game. Listen, 2 Corinthians says this, uh, 12, verse 10. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecution, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That's Paul saying, look, all kinds of things are going on around me. Persecution and troubles and calamity. That's a big word, which means bad things. It's all around me. But yet, I'm content in the midst of this. Because when I'm hard-pressed from every side, when I'm in the midst of the darkest season of my life, I can acknowledge that Christ is still in control. 
That's why we sing the song, Christ is enough. Christ is still in control. I mean, you can't change the fact that life will happen. Sometimes life sucks, so don't make it suckier. That's a real word. Tweet that. Sometimes we just get like Eeyore, right? Well, everything's bad, and I just hate my life, and it's in it. Well, man, I got a flat tire, and all makes sense, and tomorrow's probably going to be bad too. And we got to stop that. We got to make a decision to choose our way forward. That's what my parents did when we were going through a dark season of our life. Let me just tell you, it's not fun to live in a hotel because you don't have options. It's not fun. It's not fun. To be on food stamps because you can't afford to pay for food back before they had a card and it looked like Monopoly money. And you get up to the cash register and they're like, food stamps on aisle 18. Yeah, this guy with the embarrassed son. Can we get some help over here, please? He's got cut off sweatpants. We don't know why, but he does. And loafers with no socks. Y'all aren't laughing. That was my life. Are y'all tracking with me? That's no fun. But you know, in the midst of that season, I watched my parents forge ahead. And choose their way forward. I never heard them complain one time. One time. There was a season where we lived in a home in, in the colony, Texas. In the middle of the summer, we didn't have electricity or a car or a phone for a month in Texas, where it's a hundred in hell in the summer. Talk about milk and lunch meat in a cooler. Go get some more ice. We had to walk to a gas station. You tracking with me? I never heard them complain, ever. They just chose their way forward. They're going to find a solution. Get a different job. Find a way to make ends meet. What if we could do that in life? How, how would we do that? What would that look like? Is that even possible? It's not about harnessing some inner energy. No. How do we do that? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Not about harnessing some inner energy, but through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we say this, we will live a self-sustained faith through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said this in John chapter 16. He said, however, I'm telling you nothing but the truth when I say it is profitable, good, expedient, advantageous for you that I go away. Because if I do not go away, the comforter, the counselor, the helper, the advocate, the intercessor, the strengthener, the standby, he will not come to you in a close fellowship with you. But if I go away, I will send him to you to be in close fellowship with you. That is the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, man, I got to go. Because the comforter, the counselor, the strength, the standby, everything that you need in life will come and pull in close for close fellowship with you. But you've got to be led by the Spirit. It doesn't have to be weird. It just means we invite Him into the process of our life. How do I face something as tragic as living in a hotel? How do I face something as tragic as the potential of my marriage falling apart and almost being done? How do I face something so tragic as an illness in the family that there's nothing we can do about? How do we face that? I promise you don't have enough strength in you. You can be strong. You can choose your way forward. You can bring your best, but you need the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. You need the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. More than a Bible study, more than an hour in a church service on Sunday morning, more than a worship journey, you need the Holy Spirit a part of your life on a regular basis, moment by moment by moment. 
And guess what? You've got to invite him into your life. That's the way that God works with everything. He never forces our will and he never forces his way upon us. He says, I got everything that you need, but you've got to choose. You want to know how to make it through the roughest seasons of your life? You say, Holy Spirit, would you come and walk with me? Would you give me the insight to know what decisions to make? Would you give me the strength to be a better husband or student? A better son or daughter, a better wife? better employee, a better employer to make the decisions that I need to make and God, just to experience peace. But you got to invite him in your life. And it's simple. You just got to invite him in. At the Movement Church, we're a spirit-led church. We're led by the Holy Spirit because I know I don't have enough wisdom. I don't have enough strength to make it on my own. I know Jesus. I've surrendered my life to him. And the Holy Spirit leads my way. Is it the same for you? Is it the same for you? Does the Holy Spirit captivate who you are? Take you in the direction that God has for you. I believe if we could put these culture points to work in our life as individuals, but even as a church... We can really change the world. This is what it feels like. We talk about this all the time. Why? Because we're kind of idealists around here. I don't want to be a part of a lame, boring life. You can have that. It's fine. I don't want that. I want to be on the cutting edge. Out in the front lines. Dreaming big and saying, God, what do you have next? I don't have enough strength, man. I don't know if I can handle this. Man, you've got to do this, God. It brings us to our last and final culture point. I feel is one of the most important ones that we have. We refuse to insult God with mediocre living. God is big. So we dream big. And we will take action and live intentionally. It's a big God. One of our favorite verses is Ephesians 3.20. I want to read it in the message version. It's kind of a paraphrase. It says this. God can do anything, you know. Far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us. His spirit deeply and gently within us. God is a big God and he wants big things for you and for me. So we're going to dream big. We're not going to insult him with small, tiny thinking, but we're going to go for it. We're going big in everything that we possibly can. What does that mean? That means that soon this theater won't be enough for us. We're going to have to go to two services. Maybe even this year. Probably at Easter. Get ready for it. That means that this building won't be... We may have to change venues eventually. Why? Because our objective, our goal in the first 10 years of this church is to see 27,000 people say yes to Jesus. Well, look around you. We're not there yet. We've got a lot of work ahead of us. How's that even possible, Pastor Kerry? I'm so glad you asked. I don't know all the details, but he does. He'll give us the insight. We're going to dream big. Well, it seems kind of unrealistic. Great. This may not be the church for you. We like to dream big because we serve a big God. Ephesians 3.20 says he's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you ask or imagine. So we believe in that big God. 
We have a vision of reaching 27,000 people who will say yes to Jesus, which means we'll probably have multiple campuses around South County, speckled around in different locations with 500 to 2,000 people attending on a weekly basis, building a community of people who say, I'll be an army on the dream team and make something happen. We're going to connect during the week through connect groups and build our faith. We're going to be led by the Spirit. Why? Because we serve a big God and we're going to dream big. That's the objective and the hope and the heart. That's why we're here. That's why we exist. Why? We exist to inspire the one far from God. To find life in Christ and life in the church. That's why we're here. That's our culture. It's the why behind the what. And you might be a part of that. What part are you playing? Jump in and jump on the dream team. Jump on the dream team. Get involved in a connect group. Don't just attend, but be a part of belonging. And let's create an environment where anyone can belong. And I believe, I honestly believe, that we can change the world. One person at a time. Hey, look at me for a moment. Do you realize that you have been the individual for us? We've been praying for you. We didn't know your name, maybe. We've been praying for you that God would do something radical in your life. So that maybe you could encounter who Jesus is in this room. And live life on purpose and accomplish destiny. That's why we're here. We're going to keep doing it. And I believe, I believe that God specifically, intentionally brought you into the path of the movement, church, for such a time as this. To unlock your purpose and destiny. To unlock my purpose and destiny and see what happens when we collaborate to build the kingdom of God. I don't know about you, but that's something I want to be a part of. Something that's just a little bit bigger than me. Can I get an amen? Hey, let me just take a minute and talk to those of you who are here in this room and maybe wavering in your faith just a little bit. Maybe it's been a challenge, even to hear some of the things, but at the same time, you feel like, man, I, I feel God doing something to me, but I, I, I feel a cap or a gap between who I am and what God is doing. I feel like there's a separation, something that kind of prohibits me from really connecting to who he is like I want to. Well, can I just tell you, the Bible talks about that gap. The Bible calls it a sin gap. The Bible says that all of us have sinned. You've sinned and that I've sinned, and there's a consequence that's grave and very sobering to sin. It's death and an eternity in hell. But the Bible offers a radical solution. In fact, it calls it a gift. The gift of salvation through Jesus. Jesus came and he died on the cross. And he took on and he paid the ransom or the consequence for your sin and for mine. We don't have to get perfect to receive this gift. We don't have to get everything lined up. We just have to say yes. It's a free gift for you and for me. But it's the beginning of a brand new, exciting and intentional life. If you're here and you've never made that decision to say, Jesus, I just want to be yours. And you want to close that gap. I want to challenge you today in a moment. I'm going to pray a prayer. And you can stay right where you're seated. You don't have to get up. You don't have to move. But right in your own heart, I want to challenge you to pray that prayer with me. And begin this journey to see what God can do in your life. Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around, no one moving. If you're here and you've never prayed that prayer. Or you've been running from God and it's time to come back. I just want you to repeat this prayer after me to say, God, 
I know that you're real and that you love me, that you've called me and given me purpose. Would you forgive me of my sin? Thank you for sending Jesus for me. And just right where you're seated, repeat this phrase, say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today. Find out more about us at theocmovement.com or we'd love to meet you in person this Sunday. Until next time, Orange County.